I'm Paul, and I'm part of the preaching team here at Sutton Vineyard. Now, if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to extend an especially warm welcome to you. Maybe you've accepted an invitation from one of the people being baptised this morning. And thank you for saying yes, by the way. I'm certain they appreciate it, as do the rest of us here. But perhaps you're not quite sure what it is they've gotten themselves into. I mean, it's all a bit unusual, isn't it? Get into some water in front of a room full of people. Splash, submerge, out. Ta-da! Okay, I guess, if that's what you're into. I expect you might have questions. Speaking of which, maybe you've been coming to church since forever, and you have questions too. But maybe at this point you're not quite sure how to ask them. Well, the goal of the talk this morning is to step through baptisms a bit. I want to talk about what baptisms are, why we do them, and then a teeny bit about why I love them, because I really do. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you for the gift of baptism. And thank you for those who are going to be baptised today. Holy Spirit, we invite you here with us this morning. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what, we, what you have for us today. Amen. First up then, what baptisms are? So if you go back to the early first century, you would find the Greek word baptismos being used all the time. It just means to dip. And you'd have found people using baptismos when dyeing fabrics, washing cups, or even if they saw a ship sinking. If it involved water and submersion, baptismos would be your word. At the same time, but distinctly and separately, you also have ceremonial washings going on. Ceremonial washing was an integral part of Judaism. It was something self-initiated and something they do often. It was a physical reminder to the Jewish people of their need to be spiritually clean before God. And so, perhaps naturally enough, baptismos, water and submersion, was joined with ceremonial washing, being clean before God. And that ultimately gave rise to baptisms as we've come to understand them today. Now, in the Gospels, the four books of the Bible that document the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, you find John the Baptist, who, and you'll be shocked to hear this, was known for baptising people. What was interesting about John's baptisms compared to typical ceremonial washing was that he baptised other people rather than himself, and it was a one-time thing rather than something repeated. In John's case, the baptism signified repentance, a change of heart before God, and the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness for the things that we do and don't do that cause us, cause others, and cause the world harm, things that prevent us from having a relationship with God. And we read in the Gospels that lots of people came to John to be baptised. So far, so good. But then, as we read the Gospels, we see something most unusual. Jesus himself gets baptised by John. Now, why is that unusual? Well, as Christians, we believe that Jesus, as well as being fully God, was also, like us in every way, fully human, except that he was without sin, without doing the things that cause harm to self, others, and the world around us. 
So why did Jesus, of all people, get baptized if John's baptism was about repentance and forgiveness? Even John seems confused by this. In fact, he tries to dissuade Jesus from being baptized. Take a look in Matthew chapter 3. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Jesus doesn't intend to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. He was without sin. But when Jesus says to fulfill all righteousness, he's telling John that he believes being baptized is simply the right thing to do. The New Testament book of Hebrews says that Jesus was like us in every way, apart from sin. And here is a case of Jesus demonstrating just that. He's identifying himself with what God's people should do, be baptized. This is Jesus in his identity as fully human. Now, Jesus' baptism is recorded at the start of all four Gospels before any of the miracles or any of that other stuff. And you know, when you see something in all four Gospels, it's significant. As Jesus is baptized by John, the people around hear a voice from heaven, the voice of God the Father saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That, folks is a good day at the office. If that wasn't enough, the Holy Spirit, pictured as a dove, descends and rests on him. Now that's important. It turns out that John had been waiting for this moment since he'd started baptizing people. In John's Gospel, written by a different John, by the way, we read what John the Baptist has to say after Jesus' baptism. He says, I myself did not know him, But he who sent me to baptize with water, we can assume that's God, said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John was faithfully baptizing people waiting for this special moment. He knew that the person on whom he would see God's Spirit rest was this long-awaited Messiah, God's chosen one. That makes this moment and Jesus truly significant. We're now seeing more of Jesus' identity. He is, as well as being fully human, also God's chosen one. And God says, sorry, John says God's chosen one, Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now what's that about? As well as announcing the arrival of the Messiah, John knew that this would be a watershed moment, the arrival of an even greater baptism one that was far better than the one that he was able to offer with water alone. This baptism is spiritual in nature. It is an offer born of the deepest possible love from the God of creation, the very source of life, of all that is good, right, noble, and true, to live with you and to live within you, to walk with you, in every step of your life, the good, the bad, the joys, the pains, and everything in between. It is the restoration of God's original plan for us. It is the offer to have a living and active day-to-day relationship with him. This is something new and exciting that God is introducing here. In the Bible to this point, the Holy Spirit came and went 
But resting on Jesus heralds something that the people had been waiting for, something that had been prophesied for a long time, God's permanent presence with his people. That's what this new baptism of the Holy Spirit was going to look like. The way to access this new baptism is through Jesus, who at the end of his earthly ministry made it possible to accept that offer when he took all sin and shame on himself on the cross. He did so willingly and so that we could have access to God the Father, to have access to his Holy Spirit, to have access to that relationship. He removed the blockage between us and God that sin and shame create. It is an offer to have God's Holy Spirit stay with us as he did with Jesus. But if this baptism of the Holy Spirit is spiritual in nature and not physical, why would we still physically baptize people? Have we not moved beyond it in some way? So second then, why do we still do it? To cut to the chase, we do it because it's a sacrament. It's an unusual word, sacrament. According to Wikipedia, I ought to not confuse it with Sacramento, which is in California. A sacrament has three distinct aspects to it. First, it's something that Jesus told us to do. Second, it's something that we physically participate in. And third, it's something with spiritual significance. Let's have a slightly closer look at each one of those. So first, it's something that Jesus told us to do. You can find Jesus' instruction to baptize believers right at the end of Matthew's gospel in chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 28, verse 19. So Jesus' parting words to his own disciples is to carry on the work that he started. Make more disciples and in the same moment there, baptize them. A fun fact that I learned from Steve, our interim senior pastor, is that in the name of, or more accurately into the name of, carried the idea of transferring ownership. In a banking sense, to the account of. And I love that idea, that you can truly belong to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That deep sense of restoration, acceptance, arrival. You are His. And that's why we only baptize people once. That transfer is complete. And that sense of belonging is also very real. Growing up, I was the nerd, the oddball, the quirky and socially awkward one. I felt like a misfit. Sometimes I still do. And if you've ever felt like that or like you don't belong in some way, if you've never felt understood or valued, this is the best news I can give you. You belong here. God loves you. We in his church want you here. You can belong to him. The only qualification is to make a choice. Say yes. I promise it's the best thing you can do. Not always easy, but it's the best. At the first big public event in the life of the early church recorded in the New Testament book of Acts, we see one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, explaining to a crowd who Jesus was and what that meant for them. The Bible tells us that the crowd who heard him were cut to the heart and wanted to know what they should do next. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and 
you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As far as the Bible is concerned, baptism simply is the opening move in a lifetime of following Jesus. The decision to become a follower of Jesus and being, then being baptized are inseparable. That might sound a bit blunt and without much room for wriggling. And I for sure feel awkward about saying it so directly in our postmodern culture where what is true for, for me might not be true for you. And there are some things that that applies to, but not baptism. It's not one of them. It's a characteristic of all of us who want to be followers of Jesus. If you're a Christian here this morning and you've not been baptized, but you're sitting there thinking, ah, I wish I'd done it sooner. Now is a great time. Well, after I finish talking, it's probably better. <laughs> but I checked. You can be baptized this morning. We can make it work if that's what you want to do. Let's move on. The second aspect of a sacrament is participation. And we understand the idea of participation being important, I think. We've seen footballers taking the knee to signal their opposition to racism within football. They could just say they oppose it. But participating in something physical adds enormous significance. Actions don't come as easily as words. They're very intentional on our part, and they demonstrate to everyone around us that we mean it. Actions, as we know, speak louder than words. Here, the participation in baptism speaks to several things. First, obedience to what Jesus told us to do, which I just mentioned. Second, the dying to our old life without Jesus, and instead, stepping into a new life with Jesus at the center. It's a change of heart, a change in the way of living and the direction we take in life, something we call repentance. Third, we identify with Jesus in his death and resurrection, and not just symbolically. How this works is a mystery, but we read in Romans 6 that we are, in a very real sense, considered both buried and raised with Jesus. Fourth, it speaks to, the removing, uh, to removing the stains of sin, making the person spiritually clean. And fifth, last, but by no means least, it signifies entry to and belonging with the people of God, the church. Let's talk about the third aspect, spiritual significance. When we get baptized, we anticipate God being actively present. He matches our physical participation with his own spiritual participation. He meets with us in a special way. Let me push on that a little bit more. It's perhaps easy to think of all of this as just something external, a stamping of the spiritual passport, if you will, a to-do on the religious to-do list. But that would be to miss the point. God is relational, not transactional. God is a trinity, three persons, one God. A mystery, to be sure, but one thing is certain. God is, by sheer definition, relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in unity. We saw in Jesus' own baptism that relational nature of God. All three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, participated. That participation is something we are to expect when we baptize people today. In other words, 
Baptism isn't just physical. It's not just a ceremony or a rite of passage. It has an additional and critical dimension to it. Taking part in baptism brings spiritual blessing into our lives through God's active presence in it. It is a relational meeting of God and the person being baptized. Okay, let me summarize that for you. We do baptisms because Jesus tells us to, because we want to participate in what God has for us, and because we believe he will meet with us in a special way when we do. When Jesus was baptized, his identity didn't change, but it was affirmed. When we become followers of Jesus, we do take on a new identity. We become sons and daughters of the living God. And that becomes the primary lens through which we view ourselves, our relationships, and the world around us. In a similar way to Jesus' own baptism, the people being baptized here are also affirmed in their new identity. They are baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptisms declare our obedience to God, our intention to live within that restored relationship fully and become who we were called to be. And if we follow Jesus' instruction and the model of the early church, we will get baptized when we become followers of Jesus. Jesus' earthly ministry started with his baptism, and ideally speaking, so should ours. Let's move on. Finally, and rather briefly, why I love baptisms, because I really do. If I asked you to describe the most meaningful relationship you have, one with a close friend or a family member perhaps, how would you do that? It's hard, isn't it? You could say things about how close you are or how you feel about that person. But the exact quality of what it's like to be in that relationship is something you can't really express. At its core, baptism is an expression of the relationship between an individual and God himself. I love baptisms because so often for the briefest of moments, we get a glimpse of that relationship. It is special. And it reminds me of my own relationship with God. The people being baptized will stand here and tell us about how they were before they met Jesus, how they've been since, and perhaps even their hopes for their future with him. We have the privilege of celebrating that with them and cheering them on. The God of all creation, the very definition of love, of kindness, the God who is fundamentally relational and who created us in his image as relational beings, invites us all into a deep, loving relationship with him. These people have said yes to that. Baptisms are a wonderful celebration of that commitment from God and from the people who've decided to be baptized today. I can't think of anything better.